Good morning, and welcome to our Senior Faith Stories Chapel. We have a lot planned for today, and we're ready to hear from four seniors about some of their experiences through faith. So before Danny Armuni comes to share a bit of his story, I'm going to light the Christ lamp. And I invite you to now pass the peace with your neighbors, keeping in mind the intentionality of letting your guard down and blessing those around you. So, pass the peace. Good morning. I'm Danny Aramuni, a senior biochemistry major and religion minor here, and I'm one of the worship assistants. I'm not sharing the full-fledged faith story like our other three speakers, but I will model the pattern that we'll be following. Each speaker will share some aspect of their personal faith journey, and then we will join them in singing a song that's important to them. So for my part, I'll just explain why I chose the song. I chose hymn number 411 in the blue hymnal, I Bind My Heart This Tide. The first verse talks about binding our hearts to Jesus and names him as a Galilean. This reference to Palestine is meaningful for me because of my heritage, my grandma being a refugee from Palestine. I love the progression through the verses, how it says that being a follower of Jesus means so much more than verbally or even spiritually declaring our belief in him. It means serving our neighbors, the strangers in our midst and those far away. It means actively working for peace, living in solidarity with the oppressed in the name of Christ, the oppressed one. To go along with the moving words, the music of this hymn, Abide My Heart This Tide, is hauntingly beautiful. I love the simple tune and the minor key and the way I can just get lost in it. Finally, this hymn is important to me because it's also the favorite hymn of my fiance, who I met at Ocean College, and we have the hymn title engraved on our wedding bands. So, please stand with me to sing hymn number 411 in the blue hymnal, Abide My Heart This Tide.
Hi everyone, my name is Janae and I'm a senior studying history and PJCS. After graduation, I'm planning to take a gap year and then apply to law school. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my faith journey and some of the major lessons and challenges I've come up against here at Goshen. So, I've spent four years in history and peace studies classes. I've been surrounded by and immersed in stories. Some of these are stories of violence, whether it's reading about war or genocides in the past, colonizations, sexual violence on college campuses, clergy abuse, school shootings. I could list endless acts of injustice which I've become more informed about through my classes here. Sometimes, rarely, there are also stories of creativity when people who seem different on the surface build relationships out of nothing. I've been taught to analyze those different stories, to tell them convincingly, to craft an argument based on the world I see. It's really easy to want to craft a negative argument, one which observes the world around me falling apart. I can't turn on NPR without hearing another Me Too story, and that's really hard sometimes. So what to do? Is there a place for faith in a world like this? My four years at Goshen have highlighted an important question for me. When do we declare what is going wrong around us, and when do we affirm what is right? In other words, when do we protest and when do we worship, and how do those things overlap? Faith, I think, is learning to live in that balance. It's being able to name an injustice and work for improvement constructively, without becoming bitter and picking fights that do more harm than good. Faith is looking for openings for conversation and taking them. It's being open to having your own mind change, just as you see the need for change around you. It's really easy to miss those openings. When your friend is sexually assaulted and you don't think the administration handles it well, you probably want to say, screw it all. You can, become an or you can write an editorial or an angry Facebook post. You can denounce the people in charge or become apathetic and disengaged. But you can also cultivate relationships with the people you disagree with. You can find platforms. It's harder, but it's possible. The challenge here is not just to be heard, but to be heard constructively. Whether we're talking about life on campus or in the broader world, faith is protesting not out of anger, but out of a true desire to see the system change for the better and the belief that it can. It's really easy to tear down systems and ideas, much easier than constructing better ones. Creative work is always harder than criticizing. For me, choosing to believe in God has been just that, a choice. It's not something that rationally makes sense or something that I can convince myself of every moment of every day. But there are times when I'm sure that there's hope and when I feel like I'm contributing to the work of peace and justice. There's a great quote out there that's something like, you don't need to finish the work alone, but you can't give it up either. My faith comes from a sense that there is a community out here doing good work and a God inspiring that movement. So what do you believe in? What gives you hope? Are there places you go that remind you that positive change is possible? This campus has been my home for a few years, and when I walk across it, there are certain places that remind me of my motivations. 
Lots of you probably know that Goshen Monologues is coming up. Every year, a cast of women and non-binary students gathers for rehearsal week after week, taking up the real stories of people on our campus. At the end, we share these stories here in this sanctuary, speaking truths about mental health, about sexual assault, about relationships. Seeing the impact of those stories, not just on the audience, but on the cast members and on the authors, has been an incredible source of hope for me. Everyone who comes and sits in this room on that night is taking the time to listen, to make stories sacred, to let themselves be moved just a little bit toward a campus reality that honors all of its members. That's just one example. I find hope in the quiet space in the basement of Culp when it's the middle of winter and I just need to be somewhere quiet and warm to think. I find hope on the mill race or at the brew when I go for a walk or get coffee with a friend and work out a disagreement. I find hope in class when someone I'm tutoring does really well. I find hope in the college Sunday school class at the church I go to, Berkey Avenue Mennonite Fellowship, where I see my peers reflecting on how the big issues of the world apply to us here and whether the idea of God makes any sense in our lives right now. I found hope on SST when I saw strong, powerful women coming together to fight female genital mutilation in Tanzania. I found hope in the Tanzanian Mennonite Church with all of its goals and plans. Just last week, I found hope at Chocolate House where a huge crowd of students gathered to hear the music and poetry of a diverse, talented, and beautiful group of non-binary and female people. I find hope when I walk by the president's office and see a leader who is incredibly receptive to student concerns and eager to help us learn. I don't think I'm the most orthodox believer. I don't always feel this hope, especially in the middle of winter when the sky is gray and my to-do list has more items on it than hours in the day. Persistent doubt and questions challenge my confidence in God and even in the good. I think there are lots of things wrong with Christianity a lot of the time. Goshen has taught me to think critically and to see many of those things. But at the same time, I graduate here in a few weeks with a deep sense of hope and gratitude for the values which shape this school. There are moments when I'm caught by surprise by how sure I feel that yes, the moral arc of the universe will bend towards justice, and yes, I am part of something bigger than myself, and yes, every human being is created with dignity, and yes, healthy relationships are worth all of the energy that they take up. I didn't know quite what to have you sing with me this morning. Um, in the end, I chose a song that I think is beautiful, which I hope lots of you know and can sing along to. I sing it somewhat aspirationally because I don't always have a strong sense of personal conviction about God or about worship, but there are moments when it does feel powerful and important to me. So thank you. All stand up, please. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty 
one more time. Hello, my name is Julian Harnish. I'm a fourth year studying math and music, and I'll be sharing my faith story today. My first year of college, I was suddenly hit with a much heavier workload. To cope with this, I began to organize my days so that way I was as efficient as possible. I would bike everywhere. I would cram my backpack full with all the stuff I would need throughout the day so that way I wouldn't have to unnecessarily stop at my dorm room. And even I remember using the time that I spent running cross country, thinking about school work problems. While this helped me get my work done, there were several events that recently helped me realize there were major downsides to this lifestyle. The first, I remember talking with a friend this past summer about a book they read. The author presented the idea that we all have something that we worship. Perhaps this is money, or intelligence, or social ability. But through worshiping these things, we engage in self-worship, making it difficult or destroying our ability to connect intimately with others. Furthermore, the person who worships money will always feel they are not rich enough. The person who worships intelligence will feel as if they are not smart enough. And the person who worships their social ability will feel incompetent and insecure. Having been taught in church that we should not obsess over money, the thought of money worship was not all that relatable. But having grown up in a small college town at a church with many college professors, I valued academics and, as I mentioned before, efficiently, efficiency greatly. 
Initially, it seems strange to me that both wealth acquisition and intellect acquisition could be placed side by side as equally shallow objectives. The second event was an article that I read by a pastor. He recommended solitude as a way to get in better touch with God. A call to go after God spiritually is something that I have not done much of in my life. Occasionally, I pray, but the idea of chasing God and really putting energy into finding God seemed new to me. I decided that I would take time out of some of my evenings that summer before going to bed to try to become more spiritually in touch with God. I began one evening by reading a short passage. If God can be for us, who can be against us? I walked outside into the warm summer evening, repeating this line to myself to clear my head. I moved towards the prayer labyrinth on the college campus. I had rarely, if ever, used it, but I thought I would try it out. As I walked through the prayer labyrinth, I listened to the Sunrise Mass by Ola Yelo. It's a beautiful piece that I have long enjoyed. Admittedly, I felt a little strange walking around the labyrinth with my headphones on as I murmured, if God can be for us, who can be against us? But as I continued to walk, I became more relaxed and began to feel very aware of what was around me. Particularly, I became very interested in the trees. I found myself frequently pausing to look at them, watching as a breeze would stir their branches and, my, and admiring the many differences of the trees around me. I wasn't entirely sure at that moment what it was about the trees that was so intriguing to me, but I decided to put aside the academic thinking part of my brain and just continue walking through the labyrinth and enjoy myself as I walked back to my dorm room. While I don't usually write poetry, that evening I decided that it might help to focus my mind. So I would like to share the poem that I wrote that evening. The trees, they know it. They know the thing unknown to me. They understand simply, wholly, and completely with wisdom raw and unfathomable. The land of the trees is a land of clear wisdom. So many different ones, all unique. If God is for us, who could be against us? Still and unquestioning, the trees stand amongst each other. Through their still magnificence, they radiate, they radiate the beauty of their simple knowledge. The trees, they know it. They know simply and wholly and completely the thing unknown and unknowable. With wisdom raw and unfathomable, with leaves of life and branches of praise, the trees, they know. Since then, I've slowly began to understand better why I was so intrigued by trees. Partially, it was the stillness. A tree, once planted, will remain there for 50 or even 100 years, and there's no impulse to move and to do, but rather there is only the reality of existing and of being. I tend to feel that I should always be doing something productive. And this image of a still tree that only experiences movement when a breeze rustles its branches creates a beautiful counter image 
to this hyper-productivity mindset. While I still enjoy academics and learning, I try to keep in mind the ultimate goals that I have for learning. Goals that are less centered around personal prestige and enjoyment and more focused on improving society. I also realized that I was intrigued by the wide variety of trees around me. As I repeated the scripture to myself, I began to gravitate to a certain part. If God can be for us, and this has quite a different sound than if God can be for me. The variety of trees that were around, a small tree next to a large one, a broad shady tree next to a narrow one, seemed in that moment to embody this idea of God for us. I think these two ideas are interconnected. By moving away from an obsession with productivity and intelligence, there's more time to work on being with others and seeing God for us. As I continue forward, I am greeted with a strong sense that I should be worshiping God, not money or intelligence or social ability, and that I should be more focusing my intentions on those around me. Perhaps by focusing on the usness of the world as opposed to the meanness of myself, we will all learn to be more content. I chose um, the song, the tree song, thinking that it was a fitting song for, for my faith story. If you could open up the purple book to page to number 116 and stand up, please.
could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. And I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe, or I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. But you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe, or I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. But you have come me higher, you have come me deeper, and I'll go where you And you have come me higher, you have come me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord, where you lead me, where you lead me, Lord. And I will be yours, I will be yours for all my And I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life. And I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life. So let your mercy, oh, and I will be yours, Lord. I will be yours for all my your mercy light the path before me cause you have come me higher you have come me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord cause you have come me higher you have come me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord cause you have come me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord cause you have come me higher you have come me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord will you lead me will you lead me will you lead me? 
Hello, my name is Achinga Gutu and I'm a senior public relations and Spanish uh, double major and today I just honestly feel so grateful to have this opportunity to share with all of you guys um, my faith story and I'm even more excited to just highlight God's sovereignty and God's relentless love throughout my life and throughout my family's life and just hoping and praying that if anything you take out of this story that I am living proof and that my family is living proof that there is a living God and that you leave this space understanding the power that God has in healing broken hearts and um, that God is the redeemer and restorer of identity and worth and purpose and life and love and that God is hope for the hopeless, he's faith for the faithless, he is a healer and that I am because God is. And that um, the reason that I'm standing here today in a different country, getting an education, um, meeting people that I've never thought I would, be, I would have met and experiencing thing that I, things that I would never ex thought I would be experiencing is just because of God. And so um, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, when my mother was 16, she ran away from home and she ran away to the city. And uh, she left a life of pain and abuse and she traded this for a life of freedom and a life within the Lord. She, in the city that she moved into, which is Kisumu, um, she found a church where she began to find herself, where she found a sense of healing and forgiveness for her father, where she found a sense of um, peace and rest and found new beginning and new life. This is also where she met the love of her life, who is a man I now call my father. And this in the church is also where my mother raised both my brother and I. And because of my mother, I now come from a home where Christ is put first in every single thing that we do. I come from a home where there is love, real, pure, deep love. I come from a home where there is faith that surpasses any doubts that you may have. I come from a home of prayer warriors. I come from a home where there is continuous laughter and music and dance and Strangely, because of all this beauty, I have struggled with finding my own personal relation, relationship with the Lord because my connection with the church and my connection with the Lord has been so closely tied to a collective understanding of what the Lord is rather than a more individual and a more personal understanding of what the Lord means to me and what the Lord has in store for me. There has been parts of my life whereby I found that I've been lost and didn't really know who I was because I was living within, within this structured reality of my parent, parents' understanding of what life is, but most importantly, what the Lord is and what the Word of God is. And so I was basically fed the Word and never really had a chance to understand what the Lord meant to me as a Ching and not as the collective Agutu family. And something that became more evident to me is that I knew of God, but that I had never really experienced God in my life. And throughout my journey of trying to find my personal connection with God, I talked to a lot of people, and what people would say is that maybe you should just try and open yourself up and open your heart up to God and what he has to offer to you. But that seemed like a really hard thing to do at the time because it felt like I was faking my faith and that I was just going to church because everybody was going to church, and I was just praying because everybody was praying, and I was just doing this this God thing because everybody else around me was doing it. And that 
turned out to be a very dark part of my life and as a result of many other factors in my life. And because of that, I began to put up barriers around me and around my heart um, that stopped me from having the relationship that I so badly wanted to have with the Lord. Walls of doubt and walls of jealousy and hate and walls of sin and facades of happiness when I was clearly not happy. Um, and there was just like no room for me at that point to open myself up to the word of God and what he had to give to me. And I remember very clearly, um, there was a day, I remember this day very clearly because it was a turning point for me in my life. Um, and it was just after I had graduated high school in Kenya and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, if I wanted to travel overseas and have an education there, if I wanted to do service or stay at home with my family and go to school in Kenya. And um, there was a night that I was seated on my bed, I was just like flipping through my Bible. And um, on, that day, on that day, I landed on two verses that have since then become my two favorite verses. And the first one is Isaiah 43, 1, which reads, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. And um, this verse just spoke volumes to me because it showed me that God knows me, and that God is mine, and that I am his, and that there's no need for me to go on this crazy, wild search for him, that he's there, right there next to me. And the second one is Jeremiah 29, 11, and it reads, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and hope. And these two verses really spoke to me in a really deep way in that I was like, oh, I found like my answer and I found what I've been looking for and this, like, this journey is over. But Instead, what this discovery um, did for me and this realization did to me is that it actually really wrecked me um, to the point where I had to start my own relationship with God from scratch. And so everything that I had done until then was nothing because I was walking into this space. Um, and it sort of like felt like a time of renewal and rebirth and also felt like something that was also very necessary. And during this time, um, God started to speak identity and truth and purpose into my life and it was just really amazing and just really powerful. And I was like, what? I can actually have a purpose-driven life that, and like that is when I began to see um, hope and light and learn that I was made and designed for a purpose. And this gash of fresh, fresh air in my life allowed me to really begin understanding the word on my own, in my own time, and on my own terms. And um, God just started taking away pieces from me and taking away these really hard barriers that I had put around myself, around my heart um, for a number of years. And I just... It was incredible because it opened up my eyes to God and revealed me to God's grace and God's eternal love. And because of that, I have come to rely on God for everything I do. More so in college, I have relied on God for every single thing that I've done, whether it is the stresses of crazy class schedules and exams to mending broken hearts and mending relationships to finding grace that is needed to deal with anger, such as with anger for things like such as is, um, injustice and, be more and more specific, racial injustice and racial discrimination. I lean in God and all his power. And as much as anyone can say how strong I am or how fearless I may be, I am still human, a human planted firmly within God's word. As a woman, 
as a black woman specifically, I've experienced things and I've felt more pain than many people will feel in their entire lives. But I have to be strong, not for myself, but for a greater purpose, because I feel like my duty is way beyond me and way beyond these walls here at Goshen College. It's beyond saving myself. It is for the world because somebody out there really needs to hear this. The Intercultural Coalition of Goshen College is about to walk out of this space to President Stolzfus' office to present her with a document on new policies, changes on racial misconduct on campus, as well as give her some pretty awesome merchandise. I invite you, Goshen College, to stand with us and walk to the Adelphian Fountain to hear the stories of students and get more information about what we are doing. To finish our chapel time, Reverend LaKendra will be praying for the seniors at the Adelphian Fountain. Please feel free to stay in the sanctuary and pray if you wish. But now I ask you to stand with us. <laughs> 